Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. We're glad that you're in the house of God. I'm so glad that Dakota is here. I was extremely worried about this young man. And I'm glad that he is here today. Glad to see Brandon back there. Glad he's here. Glad you're in church today. Um, The Lord is good. And he's great to be praised. Um, I um, prayed and thought about what direction we would uh I needed to go for today and um to be honest originally sister Cheryl and I was not going to be here today um we celebrated our anniversary yesterday and we were actually staying at the lake we'll go back down there and we leave here today and um it kind of worked out to where we ended up coming and being here today um to be honest sister Cheryl was having grandbaby withdrawals and she did not want to wait till tomorrow to see him so she come today and it's okay I think it all works out the way it needs to and so I begin to pray and think and I had several things in my mind and as I begin to study what I'm going to talk about today it evolved into several directions to it finally settled to what where I'm at today with that said, I'm going to be turning to 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse, verse 14. I have just a couple of scriptures to read a few. Um, and if you will bear with me with these scriptures, I'm going to read them. I will leave them, and then I will come back to them. 2 Kings 13, 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. In other words, Elisha got sick of the sickness that ended up taking him out of this world. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down into him and wept over his face and said, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, notice what he tells the king Joash to do. He said, Take a bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. Could, could we all stand for the reading of the word? I, I got about a third of you. I want us to all stand on the reading of the word. I'll, I'll finish reading here in a second. Thank you. He took him the bow and arrows, and he said to the king of Israel, "Y'all, let me just say this. Y'all have no idea how you just played into my sermon right now. You have no idea. Okay." And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. Notice what happens. Everybody listen to what happens here. The prophet is telling the king, He said, I want you to take the hand, put it on the bow, and he put his hand upon it. And Elijah put his hand upon the king's hand. I want you to get the vision here with me, okay? The king takes the bow, then Elijah takes his hand and puts it over the top of Joash's hand while hanging on to the bow. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand, and he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite Sumerians and Aphek till thou have consumed them. So what he's telling, because you're doing this, you're shooting this bow, this is a sign that you're going to be delivered from Syria. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice. Or he smote three times and stayed. Or he stopped. And notice what happens with Elisha. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou should have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Lord, we ask that you would touch us here today. Touch every life, every heart. I ask you to help us, God. Help us to 
receive what you have, God. Help me. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And I don't deserve where I'm standing today. But God, I'm asking that you would help me. There's a group of people, there's a city that needs to be saved. And Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to be able to help somebody today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amy Hertzberg wrote a 2017 blog. She wrote the following. Listen to this and see if this sounds familiar, especially parents. After eight exhilarating days in Costa Rica, my family and I waited in security line in the San Jose airport to return home. With an iPhone in her hand, headphones in her ears, my daughter, 11, rode her eyes and actually exclaimed, I'm so bored. Seriously, my husband and I exchanged looks and asked our daughter why, after weeks worth of adventure, she couldn't handle this lack of excitement at the airport. This certainly wasn't the first time we've heard her cry boredom. She declares boredom whenever she has to put away laundry helps set the table, accompanies me in errands, and even while spending the day going around the city. She goes on to write and says, Today, screen time has replaced downtime. And we are raising double screeners. For kids have the attention span, uh, for kid, few kids have the attention span to sit and read a book play a board game or even watch a TV show or movie on the screen without another screen in their hand. Is anybody guilty of any of those things? Today, I feel like talking to you from a mandate from God on this simple thought. I'm bored. Somebody look at somebody beside you and tell them, I'm bored. Growing up, we knew what to do when we got bored. And I knew what not to do when I got bored. Number one, I didn't say, I'm bored. Because my parents would find something for me to do that would keep me from being bored. We would, if we didn't have a board game, we would create a board game. We made forts, me and my, my neighbor, Teresa, we made forts in my living room out of blankets over top of chairs and over top of uh, uh, couches. And then we would get in there and we would get cheese and we would pretend we were mice. Pick up a stick and now you have a bow. Pick up a stick and now you have a gun. Anybody ever seen poke berries? You know what poke berries are? If you smash them up, add a little bit of water to it, and you put it inside of a jar, and your buddy comes by and you shoot them with a with a, a wooden bow, wooden bow that you've made with a string, and it gets anywhere near them, well, they can take that jar and start walking through the woods, dropping little bits of that along the way to look like you have a blood trail where you can track your friend that you shot that you thought was a deer. Outdoors was hours of fun. It's, it is something this generation strives and hates to be. Is bored. Come on, be honest with me. How many hates to be bored? Come on, come on. You got some of you sitting there that's not telling the truth and I know better. We are the first all technological generation. Entertainment is at our fingertips 24-7. I remember that at 12 o'clock, I don't care what programming it was, you watched nothing after 12 o'clock because the TV went There was nothing fuzz until a certain time in the morning. Nothing was on it. Nothing. This is where we see the danger. We are just a binge watch away from sitting bored. 
the latest Xbox games, the constant stream of YouTube videos, Snapchat stories, Instagram posts, Facebook posts, and TikTok videos. The choices to amuse and entertain ourselves are endless and available around the clock to us 24-7, 365 days a year. In my text today, we see two men who are two totally different men. They're from one side of the spectrum to the other different. In one man, we see the prophet Elisha. He had seen dead children raised. He had seen axe heads swim. He had poured out a, a, a bottle until it filled all kinds of vessels, just one after another. He's seen all kinds of mighty acts. The other, his name is King Joash. He is evil. He is destructive, Brother Texas. And he is a spiritual detriment to the lives of the children of Israel. And now this prophet is dying. The Bible lets us know he is dying from a sickness that will take him out of this world. And the king come looking for him. Why would the king want to come visit a dying man, much less this dying prophet? Before it was over, the king would be weeping because he figured out when he seen the prophet that this prophet's not going to live much longer. There was a prophetic authority that still had a hold of this old man named Elisha. And because when the king came to see him, this prophet Elisha all of a sudden took complete charge of the visit that they were at. The prophet Elijah, Sister Penny, was not impressed with the king. He was not impressed with all his accolades. And King Joash, words towards Elisha, we see, we see it gives him, he had honor, he had respect towards this king when he said, my father, my father in the chariots of angels. He understood where he came from. But there was a reason for the words of Joash not only saying my father my father but there was empty words coming from this king you see the king was worried about Hazel Hazel he feared would destroy the children of Israel and he knew that as long as the old prophet was there he could counsel with him he could have miracles with him he had been there to service the kingdom. But now it appears, Brother David, that this old prophet is fixing to die. And the enemies of Joash wouldn't have to fear Elisha anymore. Just, just bear with me for a second. I know right now I am... I know right now I am boring some of you. It's obvious. Hang with me though. You see, there was some honor with this king. He he had tears, and he he but he was he was motivated by some selfishness, because much of Israel. They they may have laughed at this old prophet Elisha. Matter of fact, there was 40 kids that laughed at the prophet Elijah one time and he called a bunch of she-bears to come out and the, the bears eat the kids. Some of you better be glad we're not in those days making fun of the prophet and the church. They just called a bunch of bears to come eat you up. It might put the fear of God in some other people, right? But he knew as long as he was alive, the children of Israel had an essence of, of uh, 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 protection. Joash knew that any attack by the enemies would be held off because this old man prophet Elisha and all of his godliness was still praying for Israel and still holding back the enemy from attacking them. It would seem a lot of honor that this evil king was putting and giving to the prophet. He was saying, I might not live like you. Y'all hear this? I might not live like you. I might not believe like you. I might not worship like you. 
But I know there's a spiritual power in your prayers and that there is something about that lifestyle that you live and that holiness that you live and I'm glad to call you pastor. The holiness and the prayers of the people of God are the greatest protection this world has against this evil day that we're living in. Our prayers are much more important than physical weapons, than nuclear weapons, than bombs and guns. Hallelujah. We're not fighting with bombs and guns. Thank God we got some elders that still know how to pray. Thank God we got some people at Harvest House that still know how to worship and pray and magnify God. Dakota, aren't you glad that some people know how to pray? We can be back in the house of God instead of being in a, in a, in a graveyard somewhere today. That's why we got to keep living it. That's why we got to keep praying. Because there are people who are depending on the church. Then Elisha spoke to Joash. Told him to take bow and arrow. Come here. Huh? I'm looking at you. Come on. Get the bow. Take the bow. I want you to pull that bow back. You ain't got the vision what he does. The old prophet gets behind him and he grabs a hold of his hand. He puts his hand over his hand. And Joash is holding that bow. And he steadies him. He points him in the right direction. The old man don't have the strength to do it himself. So he got a hold of the younger generation and said, Here, I want you to steady that thing up. This is where I want you to shoot. And then the old man backs off a little bit and says, Now shoot. And he lets it go. And as it flies out through the air, Elisha's instructions were Joash. You know what it was? He said, I want you to take some action. I want you to take some action. He, he said, Joash, I don't want you to just go down that path that's the least resistance. That, but I want you to get your army together. I want you to get with them. I want you to get them uh, all everything need of war so they can go after the enemy. Elisha could pray. Elisha could prophesy all day long. But it was going to take some action on the part of Joash to do the will of God. And let me take you to where we are today. I can preach in this pulpit and I can pray that I turn blue in the face for every one of you. And many times I do. But until you get off your seat and you get on your knees and you get up here and worship God and you decide I'm going to live for God I'm going to worship God I'm going to pray for myself I'm going to love God with everything I got what you're telling me is I'm bored I'm bored with you, preacher. I'm bored with the church. I'm bored with the songs. I'm bored with prayer. I'm bored with the things of God. Joash was to be an instrument of Israel's deliverance, but it was only if he would trust in God and put action to what the prophet Elisha was telling him to do. And once Joash picked up his bow and his arrows, Elisha told him to open the windows and he shot. And once those arrows were shot out the window, the prophet told him that he was going to conquer the Syrians in Aphek. But something after that. You know what happens? That happens a lot. Preacher gets up and he preaches. He directs us in the right direction. And usually it's an altar. And people go running to the altar. And they repent of their sins. And then they get up and they feel the need to be baptized. And with the hand of the man of God directing them, he directs them down in the water and brings them back up out of that water. But somewhere beyond that, people begin to get bored and they begin to lose their train of thought. Because something broke down after that. You would think that that with King Joash hearing the prophet's voice and feeling his hands on his hands that there would have been a spiritual interchange somewhere in their lives but something happened he was not able he was not able to connect with the prophet's words hear this he was not able to connect with the prophet's words and his hands 
And because of that, the last prophecy of Elisha never reached its full potential. That curse is alive and well today in this generation. Many want deliverance. Many want the blessings of God, but they're unwilling to give their, their, their allegiance, their commitment to the prophetic voice and the hand that's present in their life. When the voice, the word, and the authority of, of its hands are lost, the souls of men and women will be lost. I know I'm nobody. I know that I've not done everything perfect as pastor. But God sent me and my family to this city to be the hands and the voice of deliverance to you and to this city. And I'm asking today, I'm asking this church to let the words and the hands of the prophetic have an impact on your life. Because there are things that a watchman can see from where he's standing that you cannot see from where you are. That's, that's coming, a spiritual danger, a spiritual sense. And, and God's hands is on the hands of the ministry. Hallelujah. And they're the only sure way of success in this life when we keep our hands in God's hands. God's voice needs to be in our ears. needs to be in our hearts. It's the only way of true direction. But then comes the next directions. It almost seems a little bit confusing. Listen to it. 2 Kings 13, 18. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. Now, looking at this face value, we may think, I don't understand this totally, but according to some Old Testament commentaries, expository Bibles, it, it indicates that what the nature of these Hebrew words that they're using, that Elijah wanted Joash to literally shoot the arrows into the ground. Instead of just actually beating them, he said, now shoot them in the ground. So he took, goes one arrow, picks up another arrow, hits the ground. Preston, he picks up another arrow. Let's it go. And he steps back. And now something happens to this old prophet that blows Joash's mind and, and may blow our minds. He goes into a fit. He goes into a raid. He said, what are you doing? Why did you only do that three times and stop? See, what we've got to understand is Anybody who's a hunter, you know you got more three more than three arrows in your bow. I remember early Texas just started doing bow hunting this last year, and he went hunting one day with two or three arrows. I said, "Why are you only going with three arrows, or whatever it was?" He's like, "I'm not going to miss on the first shot." That's what he's saying. He ain't hunted long enough yet. That's what it is. But I'm going to take every arrow I can get. He had a quiver full of arrows, and Sister Penny, when he stopped shooting after three. And you know what the prophet done? He looked at what he'd done, and he looked at what he still had left, and he said, what are you doing? Did you get, this is almost like this, did you get bored with the work of God? Did you get bored and decided that I'm not going to give everything I got to the kingdom? I'm not going to give everything I can, can for the deliverance? He said, look, you would have totally destroyed them, but now then you only put part of your heart in there. You're not going to destroy them, and you're going to have to fight this battle all your life. Amen. His quiver, no doubt, would have been loaded down. But something in Joash became boredom. He became bored toward the prophetic direction of the man of God. And listen to me, it caused the last prophecy of Elisha to be wasted. What a shame it would be if boredom, the boredom of this congregation caused someone to be lost. What a shame it would be if the boredom caused the voice of this city to be shut down. 
What a shame it would be that the boredom of us would cause more empty seats to happen to the house of God and more whatever to be happening. Let me tell you, what a shame it would be to be bored with God because we have made no room for Him in our lives because of the constant self-medication of this age. The boredom No. This generation says, no, I'm not getting bored. I'm not going to get bored. Because this generation hates to get bored. Right? I'll just get another streaming subscription. I'll get a bigger, faster phone. I'll get the PlayStation Xbox or whatever gaming system I can find. I'm not going to get bored. Do you know how many times I'll walk through this and you're playing games? Some of you are right now. Brother Jake, he's got a a computer in front of him because he's running the screen. I know it's quiet. I know it's hard. And I know it's tough. But sister... Sister Lisa, I'm not going to let the boredom of the church cause me to be callous to become bored when I realize there's souls that's dying and going to hell. And yea, I say some that may even come out of this church that they're not careful. The boredom, they're they're self-medicating and keeping themselves from being bored. download this game so we can play endlessly with our friends and people we don't know from all around the world. The devil devil does not want you bored. Now I know I may sound like I'm contradicting myself, but hang on just a second. Because it might just cause you to think a little deeper about the things and the purpose of God in our lives. The truth of the matter is the devil don't want you bored. only bored with God. He only wants you bored with God. Otherwise, He don't want you bored. He don't want you sitting idle. This is why we have anywhere, anytime you want, you can go get something to eat 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You know one reason I think that God allowed this place to shut down and restaurants and everything else for over a year? He wanted to try to shake people out of the stinking normal that we had fallen into. That you couldn't just get up and go to a restaurant anywhere else. You have to sit and be bored a little bit. One of the major, uh, um, I think it's Netflix, that said, you know what he is... Their, their biggest enemy, Netflix, I'm pretty sure they said it was Netflix. They're, they said their biggest enemy to them making more money is one thing. You know what it is? You might not think of this. Time. Time. He said if we had more time where they could watch more, we'd make more money. And this is why I believe God shut us down. God kept us from going to restaurants. God kept us from doing something because we've become bored in church. We've become bored with the mundane and the same old normal over and over and over. And this is one reason we're shaking things up in our church and we're going to change it to Thursday night and, and a worship service. You know, we got to do something. You know why? Because some people are so bored they only come once a month or two. Or... I'm not your friend today. I'm your pastor. Let me put my hand on your hand and steady the bow so you can shoot it in the direction it needs to go. The devil wants us not to be bored. He wants us to have all the new gadgets and the trinkets to keep us so busy. We can never get bored enough to give Jesus a chance in our life. Listen to me. I like to play games. I, I, I like all that stuff. And I, and I realize i got to be careful. But the thing is, most of us will have experienced boredom at some point in our lives. No doubt. Amen? 
And most people, and especially our younger generation, hates to be bored. But boredom is usually explained away as a lack of imagination, motivation, or organization. That's why we're bored. But when boredom, if boredom can be channeled, boredom can be a powerful tool to motivate us to achieve what we really need in our lives. I want to present to you today that boredom is not always a bad thing. According to the Oxford uh, English Dictionary, the first usage of what we now understand as boredom dates back to 1853 in Charles Dixon's novel, Bleak House. A lot of people think it may date back even farther than that. Bored is defined by the Lexico uh, Dictionary as feeling weary, impatient because one is unoccupied or lack interest in one's current activity. Hopefully that's not what you're feeling right now. You're, not, uh, you're just bored with the current activity and you're ready to check out and go away. Some may be. I hope that's not the case. But according to futurelearn.com, this definition somewhat underplays the importance of boredom. If not properly addressed, research has shown that chronic boredom can have serious consequences ranging from depression, feeling alone, to problems with your physical health. Hang on with me. As human beings, most of us, we don't, em uh, we don't enjoy being unoccupied. We'll do almost anything to avoid boredom. And this is why the devil will use your boredom against you. But I'm going to tell you, I believe God gave us a space that we need in our life called boredom. And it, it is this in, uh, satisfaction, uh, not being able to be satisfied, motivation that has been a driving force to make things evolve and to get into a better and a newer place. Our natural curiosity together with a desire for a purpose and an occupation has led us to discover new tools, to develop different skills, and create new technologies. You know how all this new stuff we enjoy? It didn't just happen by somebody sitting around and doing nothing. They got bored with doing a certain way, and all of a sudden creativity glowed up in their life and said, you know what, there's got to be a better way than this. What can I do to make it better? I'm getting tired of lighting this candle. There's got to be a better way. So thank God somebody made a way where we can flip a switch. Aren't you glad for it? Church services in the brush harbor. Man, it's hot. Somebody sitting back saying, there's got to be a better way. Thank God somebody was bored enough to create an air conditioner. Come on. Hang on with me. Don't leave me yet. Hang in here. There's other benefits to boredom. In our day-to-day -day lives, allowing ourselves to be bored. Listen to me. My message today is I'm bored. But if we can allow ourselves in our day-to-day -day lives to be bored and not immediately find a solution for that boredom that's linked to, the, to, link to this worldly world, but instead is something that would create something in us that would motivate us to do better for God and get closer to God, that boredom would take us over the, over the point, hallelujah, and change our world. Yeah. Or instead of saying, you know what, I'm bored, I think I will just download another game. I'm bored. I think I'll binge watch this. I'm bored. I think I'll watch uh, six hours of news and then binge watch six hours of this. And when we get bored, instead we can say, God, what can I do to help fill the pews at Harvest House? God, what does this scripture mean? And then get out a dictionary and start going through it and let your boredom all of a sudden change something inside of you and push you to push you to a place where we need to believe. I believe the devil is using our modern technology to keep us from being bored and keep us from being bored to the point, praise God, that we want something more. 
than a game that doesn't satisfy us. Something more than a relationship that'll never satisfy you. More, praise God, than the place that you are. So sick and tired. I know some of you, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're sick and tired of the place that you are. So the devil is using boredom and keeping us stuck in this repetitive uh, experience over and over and over and things that does not satisfy keeps us searching for the earthly things that will never satisfy you and keeping us bored with God let me take it here for just a few moments and I'll be done today hopefully you're not bored hopefully you see what I'm saying today many view God in church and worship as boring. You know why? Because to really get a hold of God, it's not what this generation loves. It's instant gratification. Because this generation is looking for something to keep them from being bored, to give them instant gratification. What does that mean? That means you have an instant pleasure. It's like winning that game. It's like punching that guy in the face. It's like the thrill for young people not married in the back seat of a car. Let me be real with this here today. It's brother, brother Texas, it's like the thrill of the hunt and bringing it down. Or the thrill of the catch and bringing that fish in. It's that immediate, instant gratification. So instead of the devil letting us get to that point where we're bored and we take our mind and we don't we train our mind to the point that oh I I I'm I'm feeling a little distant right now what's going on instead of just saying okay God what do you want me to do the devil says oh well, try this game this notification is going off it's time to play this game it's time to play that game you need to turn every notification off your phone oh I, I just oh there's no way I'll miss something you need to miss some things the only notifications probably that you need on your phone. It's probably text messages and maybe a phone call. And if you get thousands of text messages a day, it might do you good to get rid of those and just have playing times that you look at it. You don't need no news notifications. You don't need no Facebook notifications. You don't, oh, I'm, I know I'm going against uh, the, what everybody's thinking right now because I'm bombarding your boredom. I'm bored. Come on, how many times you had the iPad in one hand, phone in one hand, and watching TV at the same time and somebody's trying to get your attention they can't talk to you? I'm bored. Oh, this ain't what you want today, but this is what we need. We can go from one news outlet to the next. We can go from one streaming station to the next. We can go from one social media outlet to the next. One game to the next. And at the end of the day, we would be so wore out and still so bored that you fall asleep, not even satisfied, and get up and do it all over again the next day and wonder what's wrong with you. Amen. But there is a way to guard against the boredom of this generation. There is a way to let when you get bored with the things of this world that can propel you into something that will satisfy our soul and help you live eternally with Jesus. We can make sure, hallelujah, that a passion from God grips us in such a way that we don't lose sight of the ultimate of this battle and that is making heaven our home. See, it's not about an instant gratification. When we get bored, i got to feel good now. Sometimes it's getting on the altar when we're feeling bored and pouring out our heart and saying, God, where's the joy in my heart? Where's the longing in my heart? Let me find you, God. I'm so miserable. I need you. A game's not going to do it. A relationship's not going to do it. A show's not going to do it. Brother David, where are the Naamans that can't quit dipping in the Jordan? Hallelujah. They can all, some of us just want to dip three times, but where's the Naamans that I just keep on dipping? Keep on dipping. When I'm not healed the first time, I come to the house of God. When I don't get delivered the first time, I come to the house of God. Where are the widows that can't, they can't quit pouring after the third vessel? They just keep pouring the oil. Keep pouring the oil. Hey, bring another soul to the house of God. Bring another soul to the house of God. Bring another soul to the house of God. 
Where are the disciples that can't refuse to quit throwing the nets? Jesus said, throw it on the other side. Oh, I'm not bored with throwing it on this side. He throw it on the other side. There's more fish that need to be saved. There's more souls that need to be saved. If we are to try to find a real satisfaction, it will come when we stop letting the devil make you think the things of this the things of God are boring. By keeping you bored with eternal with entertainment in this world. I know some of you guys think I'm totally off my rocker, but you hear me. When God removed that voice out of your life, you're gonna wish you still had a prophet Elijah grabbing your hand and pointing you in the right direction. You're going to wish he was still there. Hear me today. We've got to fight through all the human emotions. And we've got to believe that there's still a revival that God still has for us. I know some, you're bored out your mind right now. You're, gonna, you're, you're just saying, preacher, would you hurry up? I, I, good news, I'm almost done for you. That's bored today. Will you hear me? Some's going to leave here today. And you're going to make sure you play your games. You're going to make sure you text your people. You're going to make sure you do all this stuff. Because if not, you're going to be bored. Come on, preachers, we can't be bored. Come on, we can't be bored. We've got to get a hold of this thing. Come on, saints, we can't be bored. I'm talking about bored with the things of God, okay? There's got to be something on the inside of us. There's got to be a hunger on the inside of us that pushes us and drives us. His name was David Brainerd. And he said, I cared not where or how I lived or what hardships I went through so that I could gain souls for Christ. While I was asleep, I dreamed of those things. And when I woke, the first thing I thought of was the great work. David Livingstone said, I must open a way to the interior or perish. Hudson Taylor said, I feel as if I could not live if someone has not done, uh, if, if something is not done for Christ. He was on a mission. He wants us to be bored with Jesus. He, woke us to fo- he wants us to focus on the pleasing of our flesh. He wants us to, he wants, uh, uh, to be uh, uh, so focused on the mundane things and, and, and not get bored, hallelujah, in this world. To keep your mind intertwined with this world. You listen to me. You just, if you would sit back and look at it for real, you'd know I'm telling you the truth. From the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, there's bells and whistles hollering for you saying, Dean, play this game. Dean, check this notification. Catch this phone call. Check this. Check that. But how often do you get so bored in your life that you just want to talk to Jesus? I would dare say most of us not because we're so busy with the cares of everyday life. Something that's gonna make me feel good now. Make you feel good now. And this is why so many people get bored with the preacher. You say, make me feel good now. Because I know what I'm preaching right now doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't make you feel okay. Because inside you're thinking, oh God, I might need to delete that game. I might need to delete that news app. I might need to delete that. I might need to get rid of that. And you're thinking, oh God, and then what am I gonna do? Then I'm gonna be bored. No, that's the whole point of it. It's trying to draw us closer to God. Because the only things in this life that matters is what we do for the kingdom of God. Because you may win that game, and everybody says, oh, and then go to hell. What good is that? But listen, if we can take some time and we can let the boredom, hallelujah, drive us to our knees, drive us to the Word, drive us to the street, drive us to a Bible study with somebody. What does boredom tell us? When we feel bored, what we are essentially asking is this question. Where is the joy in what I'm doing? John Bloom, a preacher. I don't even know what denomination he is, but in studying for this, I found this that he said about boredom. Boredom is what our hunger for happiness feels like 
when we're momentarily lost sight of our confidence in what will satisfy. And as such, it is a warning and an invitation. John Bloom went on to say, Think of boredom as a dashboard warning indicator that starts dinging. Something has caused your interest level to run low, and it's draining your joy. What is it? Perhaps it's a physical or emotional health issue that needs care. Perhaps you're being tempted to indulge laziness. Or perhaps, even more seriously, you're indulging in an idol of selfishness, and you're, not, and you're trying to drink from broken cisterns that can hold no water. Then John Bloom went on to say this. One of the great appalling tragedies of selfishness is that the more we yield to it, hear this. This is so powerful for what I'm trying to say today. He said the more you yield to it, the less capacity we have to enjoy anything else. Anything other than what we believe caters to our narrow personal preference, enhances our personal reputations, and advances our personal interests. Whatever is making our boredom indicator ding. It is God's merciful warning that something important requires our attention. I bring this to a close today as Bethany comes. Pastor, that's hard today. No, I want to tell you what's hard. It's looking out across this congregation and seeing people bored with the church service. I want to tell you what's I want to tell you what's hard, Sister Lisa. It's looking in that seat that you're usually sitting in and you're not here. I want to tell you what's hard. It's seeing people that's on fire for God, loves and passionate about the things of God, slowly slipping out the door because they're so entwined with the entertainment in the things of this world just searching for joy when it's in the word of God when it's in the things of God that's what's hard you know what's hard it's looking at the face of a casket of somebody that's been preached to over and over and over and they know better and you question where they're at that's hard I'm bored. I'm sad. Isaiah 55, 1 through 3 says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye by me. They come by wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? Listen to what he's saying. And you labor for that which satisfies not. Diligently into me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in madness. He says, Incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you,